What a beautiful morning this is, and uh, what a beautiful day this is. If you have your Bibles, if not, that's fine too. We're going to have it up on the screen, but we're going to go through a book, a chapter that I covered some weeks ago, three weeks ago, and um, running well was my topic three weeks ago, and I, I read a verse, uh, kids, Sunday school, if you want. That means adults too, um, if you want. But, but I, I was, I was uh, alluding to a chapter in Hebrews, chapter 12. And I just kind of read a verse, and what I would like to do this morning is I would like to just cover three verses. Now, the thing about this day, this day is filled with a lot of sports. We have a lot of events on the Olympics, TV, and everybody's going to be watching that. Some of you will be uh, watching the Super Bowl. If you want to join us downstairs, big screen TV, bring your drinks, food, snacks, whatever you want to do. But don't don't be watching that alone. At least come and say hi, and then you can take off. But here, as I was thinking about this, this chapter, I thought, I'm going to make this a sports morning. I love distance running. I was 40 pounds lighter back in the day, and I used to average around 80 to 110 miles a week in training. So I love distance running. I love to watch it. It's my favorite ever. And so we alluded to some of this about three weeks ago when I shared. And then Abby followed it up with the title, We Can't Evolve Without Grace. And then we had a guest speaker last week, Mike Goldsworthy from Long Beach, and he shared finding God in our limits. And I'm thinking, okay, that's about racing. You can always relay it to some kind of a, a distance race. And in Hebrews 12, it's talking about a marathon race. That's how I picture it. And um, a marathon race is about 26.2 miles. And the author of Hebrews is talking to some people that are going through a hard time. They want to quit. And I liken it to the 20-mile mark in the marathon. The 20-mile mark You've got 6.2 miles to run, but that is when you really get exhausted. That's when you can get discouraged. That's when you can get a depletion of energy and you want to quit. And you have a lot of doubts. Am I going to finish this race? And that is, those are the people that the author is writing to. They're under persecution. They want to quit. It's really hard to put one foot in front of the other. And so he's writing this in order to encourage them. So with that, let's read. Chapter 12, Hebrews 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. At the end of cross-country races, they have a section that's roped off. And uh, that's where, to, that's where the, the, the fans know where to line up. And so just to keep everything organized, there's a rope, you got fans, and they're on both sides, and they are cheering the athletes as they are finishing up. And the neat thing that I like about cross country or these long races, people stay till the last one comes in. But the fans are cheering, and, and the person who is in the back of the pack, they also get cheered. And sometimes, and, and I've been watching some cross-country meets or some really long-distance running, some people are so far back, and you have to wait. But most people, after they congratulated their own athletes, they wait. And one of the most inspirational things for me is to see this, this last runner running, and they are spent. They know they're in dead last. Everybody was four or five minutes ahead of them, but they're trying to sprint, and it's probably this fast, but it doesn't make any difference. You see the struggle on their face and the intensity on their face, and the crowd cheers, go, go, course she's feeling all or he's feeling all good about themselves you know because they're getting the cheers from the crowd it's inspirational and what's interesting is that this is what the author says here in verse one he says there's you're surrounded in other words surrounding means both sides great cloud means a great group of people and they're witnessing they're cheering you on and and what he's talking about here in, in chapter 11, you have a group of a lot of people that had a great faith in the Lord. They weren't perfect, but they had, they had a testimony. And he says, look at those people. Look at those people. They're cheering for you. They've been through this race. They know what it looks like. And, and as I, I was up in the mountains uh, just a couple of days ago, I took about three hours. And... Part of it was for hiking, some of it was just for pondering and reflecting and thinking. And I thought, you know, this is really a cool verse. And uh, because my dad, my mom, um, my uncle, and all the people that I've met in my years, though they are gone, they, though they have passed away, they still speak into my life and encourage me in the moment. Because I've, I've seen them go through things. I've seen them uh, have some horrible experiences in life. And yet the testimony and the, and the stability, I began to observe that. And it carries me all the way through my life. It's like they're witnessing, they're, they're, they're cheering me on. They're saying, you can do it, Gordy. You can do it. You know, and, that's, and that reminds me of that, that movie... Um, uh, Waterboy? Ever seen that? Waterboy? Yeah, 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 I know. Um, and, and so, <laughs> you already said the answer. And, and so here, 
Adam Sandler is playing Bobby Boucher, okay? And, and do you remember that scene where he, he, right before he gets into the bus, there's this old farmer that is in the middle of this crowd, and what does he cry out? You can do it. You can, yeah, you got to say it right. You can do it, <laughs> you know? And, and, and that is, that is, but those that have gone before you and I, they're cheering you on. You can do it. You can make it. He's faithful. God is faithful. He's going to stick by you. He's not going to forsake you. And, and those are the things, I like to think of things like this more practical where that's what my uncle, my dad, my mom, my grandparents, people that have gone before me, they're saying, you can do it. God is faithful. He's not going to leave you. I know you're going to doubt, but he's not going to leave you. And then it's, it's like in this passage of Scripture, it's like the author describes this, and he says, time out. I want to give you some pointers. I know you're going to finish the race, but I want you to enjoy the journey as well. And so it's like the author is giving some, some pointers here. And the first thing he says is to throw off everything that hinders. If you're going to run a race, you're not going to wear your sweats. You're going to take those, the sweat tops off. You're going to take your sweatpants off. And you're not going to wear heavy shoes. You're going to find some lightweight track shoes to wear. Because anything else is going to hinder you. And sometimes we just need somebody to come into our life and out of love just say, you know what? This is a better way to do things. This is hindering your life. This is, this is, uh, this is not enhancing your life. It's, it's tearing it apart. It's sabotaging. You're sabotaging yourself by not wearing the right clothing in the distance run, and that's a big deal. I was a freshman in high school, and uh, we were having a, a, a time trial for the mile run. And uh, my, my shoes, we were poor. We didn't know a lot about the shoes at that time, and uh, that's how old I am. We wore tennis shoes, and literally... My toe was sticking out of the tennis shoe. And on the side of the tennis shoe, it was coming apart. Because when you run that many miles, if, if you have cheap tennis shoes, they're not going to last very long. Well, when I completed that mile run for, for the trial run, there's a guy from Nike that was there. And his name was Jeff Hollister. And he sees me, and he, and he finds out my name. He says, Gordy, I want you to come over here. I've got these Nike shoes, and I want you to try a pair on, and I'm going to give them to you free. He felt bad for me. It was his charity time. And, and you know, that was so huge. Now, just a little bit of history of Nike, and I'm going to reveal my age to you here. Back in 1964, Bill Bowerman and um, Phil Knight created this 
shoe company called Blue Ribbon Sports. In 1971, they changed the company name to Nike. 1972, I was a freshman in high school. I know, that's old. And so, but the point is this, we didn't know anything about Nike. It was brand new. They were out going out to high schools and, and selling these shoes to people. And I tell you what, that made a huge difference. I so appreciate somebody that says, your shoes are hindering you from running. And sometimes in life, we have things that hinder us. We bring things into our life. It could be, you know, baggage of the past. It hinders you, and you know that. We're not, we're, we're all smart people. It could be resentment, resentments that you're just hanging on to. It could be certain relationships. It could be too much social media. It could be watching too much news. I've heard often people say, I'm just going to watch five or ten minutes of the news because when I watch too much of it, I get irritated and I get agitated. They discovered that it was hindering their joy and their peace. You know, it's kind of like, uh, like Moses. Moses gave up all the riches in Egypt so that he could run his race. But you see, Joseph, who is also in Egypt, he was a great leader. And he was wealthy so that he could run his race. See, what hinders you doesn't necessarily mean it's going to hinder somebody else. And see, that's, that gets tricky, and that gets to be a problem where I will say, this hinders me here, so it's going to hinder you too, but that's not true. You run your own race. You have your race. And this is what's so cool about just living in God's grace. He will show you where you're at and the things that are hindering your own life. Throw off the things that are hindering you. Here's a quote from... Um, and you know, by the way, I just want to share that if just because maybe the news, I don't know, I'm just thinking top of my head here, if that's hindering you, it doesn't mean that you forever forget it. God may just say, you know, just, just for this season, just for this time, just slow it down a little bit. Dallas Willard is my favorite philosopher. He was a professor at USC, and he's passed away now, but... We do some quotes of him here. And, and this, this one just kind of came to my mind um, as I was sharing this into my own soul about the things that hinder me. And he says, When the Lord is your shepherd, you are prepared to take the absence of something from your life as proof you don't need it. Isn't that interesting? That's a deep, deep thing right there. Sometimes we think that we need something, that we rely on something, that once it's not there, you think, you know, I'm doing just fine without it. Then he says, the sin that so entangles. That's a tough word. I don't know about you, but it's, have you ever ran with extension cords around your legs? I mean, that's it. 
I run like that now anyway. But when you have extension cords, you can't stride. You can't run. And he says that's what he's talking about. Some of those things that are hindering you, it's like extension cords that are wrapped around your legs and you're crippling yourself. You're making things harder than it needs to be. He knows you're going to finish. He just wants you to have a little bit of joy in your journey. See how practical all of this is. Now imagine you're running. You've never run before. You don't know anything about running. And you bought some fancy clothing to run in and fancy shoes and you're all ready to go. You're ready to run this race. And, and the thing about it is you, you have this lifestyle of loving hamburgers. And along with the hamburger, you have the French fries with the creamy cheese that's run over it. Now, he doesn't know any better. He's just learning how to do all of this. And so he, he eats this hamburger before he runs. He thinks that by eating the hamburger, he's going to be stronger and faster and he's going to have the energy. And so he's eating this hamburger and the starter says, runners, get set. And so we go up to the line and he shoots the gun. Bammo, they start running. Well, he still has this little piece of hamburger in his hand and he's got a couple more bites and so as he is running, he's eating. Okay? And so it's all gone. Well, what happens three quarters of a mile down the road? You know what happens in the bushes. And so he gets up, back up, and he starts running again. And after four, five, six miles, he starts getting hungry again. Oh, man. And up ahead, he sees a hamburger stand. And he sees all these hamburgers that are, that are uh, uh, given to the, the fans. So they can just pay a dollar and unwrap the hamburger, and they get it. And he sees it up ahead. And he sees a hamburger stand, and he says, I've got to have another hamburger. So he runs, and he picks up that hamburger, unwraps it, and he says, I'll pay you later, and he keeps going on the run. And he runs, and he eats. He runs, and he eats. What happens another mile down the road? You know what happens in the bushes. And it continues on. And let's say he keeps doing this. And finally he comes to his senses and he, and he said, this is not working. What, what he has come to is to understand that my lifestyle that was previous to this doesn't fit. It is not compatible to what I am doing now. And the interesting thing about it is that he began to figure it out the hard way. But that's how we learn. That's how we grow. He's figure, figuring it out. And so we in our life, as we run this race of life, and to run it well, there are things that are hindering us, things that are, are, are slowing us down, things that are agitating us, 
And it's okay because as you continue to run, you'll say, this is not compatible to who I am as a disciple of Jesus. It doesn't fit who I am. And you see, you don't need me to say anything. You don't need your friend to say anything. It's helpful, but tell you what, you will get it in time when your heart is open and you want to grow. And you want to grow. And sometimes, you know, these, these things that, that keep bombarding us and, and we don't take a look at them and acknowledge them, they just hurt and they, they, they weigh us down. They weigh us down so much. You know, it's interesting in this verse, uh, in verse 1, he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I like that little term. Because it reminds me of cross country, where in cross country, you've got arrows that shows you where to go. And uh, if they don't have arrows then they have signs. And the sign will point this way, or that way, or straight ahead, just to help the runners begin to not get confused of where the course is. But let's say you're running around this corner, and as you run around this corner, you see a fork in the road. And the problem is, you have two signs. One sign is pointing to the right. And the sign says, this way in pleasing God. And then you've got another sign that points to the left, and that sign says, this way to trusting God. And so what you're going to do is, is I'm going to go please God. And so you take this fort on the right, but it's all uphill. Oh, why did I take this road? It's the trying trail. It's all uphill. And you circumnavigate the hill the wrong way and find yourself at the same fork. You're at the same place. You just went around the circle. You didn't make any process or progress. I'm at the very beginning. I took the wrong road. The trying road is exhausting. And so you decide that the right trail is the trusting trail. But you have to discover that. To discover the trail is the trail of trusting. You see, God knows you're going to finish. He just wants you to enjoy along the way. And that comes in trusting. That is the road that this author is talking about when he says the way is marked out for you. This is the trusting trail. This is the road marked out. It's trusting. It's learning to trust. In verse 2 it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, this, this guy was teaching me how to shoot free throws. I was just watching, learning. And I'm horrible at shooting free throws. Seth and Jackson, they're going to have to teach me this. And what I describe, they will say, mm, Gordy, you got it wrong. That's why you're not making anything. 
But as, as free throws, you know, you stand there and you bend your knees a little bit and you do your thing, sometimes just a couple of dribbles down there and spin the ball like the pros do because you want to be cool. You spin the ball and you bounce it a couple of times and then I'm left-handed so don't freak out. So you look, you look at that rim and on the rim you have hooks and the hooks are there so that you can put up the net. And there's a hook right in front of that rim. And so as you are there, you're bouncing the ball, where are you looking? At that hook. And when you shoot it, you follow through. And as you follow through, you're still looking at that hook that is in front of that rim. And your finger as you follow through is right on top of that rim. Jackson can show you later, and Seth. But the question is this. If you miss it, this guy was saying, there's only one thing I want you to ask yourself. What are you looking at? You're pretty good, isn't it? What are you looking at? Now for me, I don't know if that's going to help. But in life, that's real stuff, isn't it? What are you looking at? Fixing your eyes upon Jesus. Why? Because he's the author and perfecter of faith. There in verse 2. He is the source of all things. He is, he is the example of faith. He is, he is the source. In fact, Colossians 1.17 says that he created all things. This is Jesus Christ. That, that he created all things. And all things hold together. You would not be sitting here if it wasn't not for Jesus. Well, I don't even believe in God. I don't believe, I certainly don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter because the truth is you cannot breathe without Jesus holding all things together. It's just that we live in this blindness where we can't see it. As I said uh, a while back when I taught on this, you're actually, and, and if you're, if you don't believe any of this, it's true that you're breathing Christological air. You're breathing it because He is allowing you. He is holding all things together. Without Christ, the world would not be. And you would not be. But I don't believe you would still not be. And He loves you. That's the point. God is so awesome, He's so big. He's so filled with love. He loves mankind. He loves humanity. Well, he's the author, perfecter. He shows us what it looks like, this faith. He's lived faith. He's run the race. He finished well. And now he wants to show us what it looks like. And that's why he's given us the Sermon on the Mount, so that we can see what it looks like. He gives us the how. And the Sermon on the Mount, if you don't know where that's at, and it's in Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you know there's no one that disagrees with the Sermon on the Mount. That's the crazy thing about it. Mahatma Gandhi loved Jesus because he began to read the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, 
Mullins, this is a wise dude. And he began to read the stories of, of Jesus. And he says, I mean, his heart just started thumping. And he just fell in love with Jesus. And he says, the only problem I have is with people who say they follow Jesus. That's another story. But Jesus, nobody can disagree. He's not putting heavies on you. I can't handle heavies. He puts, what he does is he put life, practical living. Don't be angry with your neighbor. Don't carry resentment. Everybody agrees with that. That's Jesus. But it's really hard, isn't it, when you hit the wall? When you hit the wall in life. You know, there's, there's a, a term in running, and it's swimming as well and some other sports and whatnot. It's hitting the wall. It's when all of a sudden there's a fatigue that takes over you, and you lose energy. You can't go. And boy, if you're a distance runner, and some of you are, or you're playing a basketball game or you're a swimmer or whatnot, you know, we've got some here, and you know what I'm talking about, hitting the wall. It's where you, you are heavy in your legs, you lose the concentra concentration, you sometimes even go into the feelings of despair. It is a horrible thing, but it doesn't make you a bad runner. It doesn't say you're a bad runner. This is a normal thing that happens to some people. And life is the same way. Sometimes in life, you're not a bad person, you're okay, but sometimes in life you just hit the wall. Well, all of a sudden you're just fatigued and, and you, 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 you feel heaviness inside of your soul and there's a lack of concentration. And you can't seem to focus because you're, you're falling into despair and you're thinking, now there's a reason, but you're thinking, I didn't do anything. What, what is happening here? This is part of life. And sometimes we get so freaked out. But once again, it comes in, where are you focused? If you go in, into a Google study, in the scientific study of hitting the wall, that's an amazing research. But we're not going to do that but there's reasons. And sometimes there's reasons that we hit the wall. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just that's part of life too. And I hate that. But here the question is, it comes even right here, what are you looking at? Because when I hit that, I ran so often that I began to overcome some of those things. I didn't freak out. I said, no, this is just part of my training and I need to work through this. But I tell you what, if you focus on how tired you are at least this is me, if you focus on how, how tired you are, then you're going to deplete more energy. And you're going to see that it creates neg negativity in your thinking, and from that negativity, you're going to create negative results. I think the same thing with life, and we all have different creative ways of doing this. I'm not going to tell you. You can figure it out, seriously. Because you've got the Spirit of God living in you. But what are you looking at? 
Because the more you look at that and you say, man, I'm in despair. This, is, this problem is consuming me. And the more you look at that, the more it's going to consume you. And then pretty soon your negative thinking is just going to increase, which increases the negative outcome. So he says here, the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He endured the cross and scorning its shame. What was set before Jesus? Was it visible or invisible? Interesting, isn't it? Wish we had more time and, or at least me have a better understanding of this. Was it visible or invisible? It was invisible. You can't see joy. I can see joy in your faces and you guys are a joyful crowd. But Jesus set his eyes on the joy that was before him. The question, the question is, what was that joy that was set before Jesus? What was that joy? It's you. It's you. That was his joy. Before you were even born, that was his joy. And his joy was that it's, he, he endured the shame, he endured the cross, he endured his whole life and, and everything that he went through because he saw you. And see, that started not after you were born. It started before creation was even created. <laughs> you, you, have, you have God, and who is God, remember? God is the Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's God. And they got together in this huddle and they had a dream. And that dream, according to Ephesians 1, was that you would become adopted, that you would be a part in, in, in union with Him. And so they created. And the cross and the resurrection completed that dream it's through the cross and through the resurrection that now you are united. He has reconciled the whole world to himself. The thing is, is we're blinded. We can't see. We can't see that God really loves us and that he's at peace with us, but we're not at peace with him because we don't see. And sometimes we get so messed up that, that it's all about laws and rules and go that way if you want, but it's a relationship. It's figuring things out as you are in, in relationship with Jesus and that's all he wants more than anything else. It's just that love relationship and it's real and it's practical. And that's why there was no shame that could bother him. He, he, he was not afraid of the cross nor the shame. He was hurt, but there was, there, there was no fear. And the reason is, is because, because of you. He saw this. He saw this. He saw you. Like Jeremiah 1.5 says, you know, uh, before I was born, when I was in my mother's womb, God knew me. He knew me. Well, he knew him way before even creation was created. 
Oh, it's a huge story, folks. It's a huge story. And, and you know, the cross, anybody that's living in the ancient days knew the shame of the cross. It was reserved for the lowliest criminals. If you're a Roman citizen, there's some perks. You have immunity to the crucifixion. Because that was too low for a Roman citizen. And that's why the Apostle Paul was beheaded. He was a Roman citizen. And yet Peter was what? Crucified upside down. Because he wasn't. And Jesus said, that's okay. I will go through anything to accomplish the dream that we had before creation. I'm going to bring total access to you and God. I'm going to bring it. Where your sins are covered, your sins are forgiven, and there's going to be new life inside of you. And that's why he sat down. He said, it's finished. His dream is completed. Look at verse 3, and then let's just wrap it up. Let me tell you this much. We're not even hardly touching this. this, this these three verses, you can just, you can go. You can go and go just with one phrase and give the background and historical meaning and everything else. And it, it's, it's so explosive. But he says in verse 3, he says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will grow, not grow weary and lose heart. Consider. Concentrate. Focus. Be attentive to, to what is going on here. Focus on the reality that Jesus is running through you and in you. Just to continue using that analogy of running. He's running in you. He's running through you. Did you realize that this is more of an invitation? Think about it. Think about it. He's alive. You are not left alone. You have never been alone. You will never be alone. You're not alone right now. You're not alone right now. Right now, you're not alone. And that's why here he, he gives these two verses, and then he says, think about this. I want you to think. I want you to ponder upon what what has just been said. And I want to just close with this. Um, let, let him, he is your shepherd, let him teach you. Learn from him. The Lord is your shepherd. He is your shepherd and you lack nothing. He will guide you he will guide you into the pasture and, and just allow you to rest. He really, really will. I can't do that. He can. The Spirit of God can. He is so real and so alive. It's not that you have to believe. Just think about it. Just, just ponder upon it. That He can lead you to that place of rest. And, and He can lead you beside the quiet waters 
where, where you can drink that water and you can just rest and be at peace by the quietness of the water and that he will lead you down the right path and that right path is just trust. Just trust he will do this and he will restore you. Some of us need restoring and he will do that. Dallas Willard again, and it's a quote that we have quoted quite often here at Creekside, if you want to put that up there. Um, and Jesus is our shepherd, and he'll give you everything that you need to do everything that he wants you to do. I have to repeat this over and over again. And the reason I repeat it so often here at Creekside, it's not for you, it's for me. <laughs> I have a hard time. <laughs> I, I can put this up and sound all spiritual, and I got it together. Don't believe a thing, <laughs> okay? I'm learning, I'm, I'm struggling like everybody else, and I'm thinking, I'm not so sure that's true. On my good day, I think, oh, yeah, that's true, and it looks really good, you know, on my part. But basically, most of the time, I'm not so sure I believe that. I know it's true, but not quite sure I can soak that in and accept it, because life is hard. Life is hard, and we don't have to make it harder. Let's finish it up this way. I want to give you kind of a, I don't know what to term it. If, Joe, you can come up now and Afton and Aaron. Um, it, it's, it's kind of like a guided prayer. It's, it's um, more of a guided meditation. In this message that you heard this morning, there, there were questions that were coming up. And what I want to do, I want to give those questions. There's only three of them, that's all. And I want to ask you some questions, and these are questions for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You go to McDonald's and talk to somebody and ask those questions. If you take these questions as guilt, you better throw that guilt out the window. If you take it as a thing of shame, throw that shame out of the window. If it's condemnation, throw that condemnation out the window. These are just questions to ponder on, but if they're going to bring guilt to you, don't listen to me. Seriously, that's not what we're about here. Not even close. So the first question is this, Jesus, what is sabotaging me? <laughs> Remember that? What is, what is sabotaging me? Remember all the sweats and the stuff that we baggage that we carry around? What's sabotaging me? What's hindering me? And maybe if something pops up into your mind and you're thinking about it, maybe that's the Holy Spirit and He's just saying, it's this. I don't want you to totally forsake it. Just maybe for a season, just slow it down. Slow it down. Instead of being on social media for, for seven hours in a day, well, why don't you just lower it down to three hours? See how you feel. You know what I'm saying. What's hindering you? Dude, you don't have to make it harder. You don't have to make it harder. Life's hard enough. What's sabotaging you? The second question is this. Jesus, what's making this race, my life, a chore and not a joy? What's making this a chore? Life is just a chore. <laughs> you know, maybe you're wearing too many sweats. You're wearing boots instead of track shoes. I don't know what it is, but be practical. See, I can't tell you that because you are you and you are running your race, and that's the way it should be. Maybe it's resentments, maybe it's lust, maybe it's greed, maybe it's a grudge, maybe it's gossip. I don't know what it is. Don't condemn yourself. 
Some of you are thinking about it and you're thinking, oh man, I'm a bad person. You better not go there. No, no, no. No, no, no. Ever, ever, ever. That's all taken care of. You're loved. Number three is this. Jesus, what am I looking at? What am I, where is my focus? What is my focus? Is it that I always have to be right? What am I focusing on when I'm going through some hard times? It's just a question, that's all. It's just a question, but it's a good question. You can remember a basketball. There's a hook in front of that rim. Keep it focused. I have a dear friend that is here this morning. And we'll probably never see him again because we're both pastors and it's really hard to get away. But he got away and um, Troy, which is the senior pastor for Capital that meets here uh, on Saturday at, at 5, I asked if he could just close in prayer. And he was willing to do that. And this is a rare occasion. Thank you so much, Troy, for coming and we love you. And when he closes in prayer, then we'll just um, end in worship. Yeah. Okay. So, let's give him a mic. Why don't you just close in, in prayer? Oh, here's, here's the deck. This is a special one, Troy, because you're special. All right. There you go, babe.